This country is doomed. It is doomed. Doom Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Two Doom Men podcast. It is Skaggs here, and I'm joined, of course, always by the captain. What's up, everybody? And we got another special episode for you today. We have Stephen Dincher from the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. Stephen, what's going on, bro? Hey, not too much. Did hey, I pronounce your name well, right? Yes, uh, yeah, you did. You can call me Steve, though. Okay. Um, Stephen's my mom's name for me. <laughs> so how you doing, man? Doing all right. Uh, life is busy. Uh, my wife's pregnant, so we've been dealing with that over the last 14 weeks, uh, which is awesome, but also, you know, been sick and had Congratulations. to take Oh, congrats, thanks. man. We've been, we've been trying for a while, so. Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going through the same thing right now, actually. My wife's uh, pregnant also, first one, so uh, uh, congrats, man. Second, but it's been a while. Like, okay. Our, our, uh, we have a six-year-old already, but we, we've been trying for a while, so it's yeah. very exciting, but uh, it comes with challenges, so yeah, glad I could be here, because I never know when I got <laughs> a moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you definitely on that. Um. So, so let's get into it, man. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with the uh, Libertarian Party Mises Caucus? Sure. So I, um, I ha- came from a neocon conservative Rush Limbaugh baby kind of background, um, but I always had a little bit of libertarian streak. I remember being in, in high school and college and be like, I don't care if gay people get married. I mean, they can just call it something different. I don't care. Like, uh, why, why does the government care about that? I don't think it should be banned. And I always drugs. wondered that. Yeah. So, like, I'm from strict conservative Christian world, but I'm always like, eh. Doesn't concern me. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> and why is the government, like, I, I, I kind of always had, um, I was homeschooled as well, so I didn't get, like, the, the, the indoctrination from the public oh, school yeah. about history. So, like, I learned the Constitution and the American Revolution and all that. Now, it's definitely more of a nationalist bent. Um, but like, I was like, there's nowhere in the constitution that it says we should be involved, like the government should be involved in marriage. So why, why the heck is it? You know, like, so I kind of had that very strict constructionist constitutional look, libertarianish. like, it's not my business if this guy wants to do crack. I mean, he shouldn't show up at my house doing it, but you know, like, so there's always this libertarian streak in my conservatism. The part I didn't um, go all the way into until later after uh, uh, grad school um, was the wars and the police. Like that was like the last thing I held on to. Uh, hoorah, rah, America's awesome. There wasn't a war that was fought that wasn't justified, all that kind of stuff. The whole indoctrination on that, on that side of things. Um, so when it came around to the 2012 election, 
most people will say, oh, the 2012 election did. It was Ron Paul. Actually, it wasn't that for me. Um, it was uh, randomly, I uh, found a YouTube video of Milton Friedman talking about greed and capitalism on the Phil Donahue show in the 70s. It was like a short two and a half minute clip about greed. And I was like, holy cow, this is this amazing little clip. This should be taught in schools everywhere. I posted it on Facebook. And a buddy of mine was like, oh, Friedman was good, but Rothbard was better. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, hell, who's Rothbard then? I don't even know. I've never heard of this guy. So, of course, down I went the rabbit hole you went. Down the rabbit hole I went. I mean, it took about six months for me to go from Ron Paul is pretty good, but I don't really like his isolationist foreign <laughs> policy to holy hell, I'm an anarchist. Like, yeah. <laughs> the state is the worst possible thing. And everything I learned about history was, was, was totally wrong. And it, it, I read economics. I read economics for real people by Gene Callahan. Cause I was like, I don't know anything about economics. That's not a good thing. Uh, and then, uh, I tried to dive into uh, man economy and state by Rothbard. That is a beast. Uh, I got about three quarters of the way through. I got to finish that sometime. Okay. But really it was his, it was his, it was his economic history lectures that, that red pilled me hardcore, like learning yeah. about the civil war, the economics of the civil war. And then like the Republicans, who dominated the era at the time were the big government people and uh, like boondoggles with all of the, the massive spending. They started the income tax and all the rest. And I'm like, how come I never knew? I've been a Republican all my life and I never knew that the parties were totally reversed uh, back in the 18, you know, late 1800s and stuff. I totally red pilled me about like, well, what the heck do I not know about anything else? So um, starting around 2013, I was like going full bore into the libertarian stuff and, um, I was probably a jerk about it too, as, as most I've found most libertarians are when they first discover things. Man, they can get jerky about oh, the the non-aggression principle and, and you're a statist, you know. Like, oh, I, I've come to learn that on social media, especially, and I think that's oh, I yeah. think that's more of a social media thing too. But yeah, some libertarians could be jerks for no reason about everything, or uh, they I, could I, be I, social justice warriors, virtual signal signalers, just as hard. As any woke person can, you know, I'm my views are more pure than your views. Yeah. So shut up. Yep. Some, you know, you're not we, a real libertarian. Right. We've learned that that could be in any scenario, in any group of people. It, it doesn't yep. even have to be politics. Yeah. That might be like a human intrinsic yeah. human trait to want to uh, virtue signal to people. It is it is for sure. And um, and I definitely went through a, a, a prolonged phase as I was digging deeper and more like I would say, uh, you know, stupid stuff about the military. Um, with, there was no nuance, really. I, it, was, it was like, oh, I'm going full bore and there's no room for nuance. And so since then, I've certainly softened. I don't think every, uh, you know, individual human being who happens to serve in the military is, is awful kind of right. thing. You know, like there's, I'm not clumping, uh, clumping them all together, um, it, which was, you know, a natural thing for me to think when I first realized, holy cow, these wars are the most horrible, evil things, and these people are going and, and, and doing it all. Uh, but um, kind of definitely softened up on that. Uh, how I got involved with the Mises Caucus, I was a libertarian from like early 2013 after the um, 2012 election, but uh, the Mises Caucus didn't start until the 2017, uh, until the middle of 2017. Um, those four years in between, uh, I was just a libertarian. I didn't have much to do with the party at all. Uh, I was living in Connecticut. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, but I moved to Connecticut in 2012. And um, there wasn't much of a party here to speak of anyway. 
so I really didn't know anything about it. I just was a libertarian. I registered as libertarian to vote, but I didn't get involved with anything libertarian party um, until 2017. I saw that there was a libertarian. I was on the Mises.org uh, website all the time now. So then I saw there was a Mises caucus of the Libertarian Party in 2017. It was formed probably in June. By August, I was in the Facebook group. So it was pretty early. And I just kind of poked around. I commented, but looked at what they were doing. Um, I think that, that group is banned now, right? That Facebook they group? Got, they, they, came, they, got, they got added back in. Oh, back. What did they get banned <laughs> um, for? How does like oh, a Libertarian get banned from Facebook now? Because I know oh, how to do anything. it real quick. Anything. And it was it was probably some meme they some somebody posted in the group, uh, you know, three months ago. Um, I actually don't know which one, it, right. what caused it. Um, I just know it got zucked, and then about forty eight hours later, it was back. Um, okay. It's going to get zucked again. There's no yeah, doubt about it. So it's, it's, it is what it is. Um, so I was in that Facebook group pretty early on, um, and uh, I was just kind of sitting back and, and watching, observing what was going on. Um, and they had plans for the 2018 convention uh, in New Orleans, uh, where they were going to try try to get one of their guys as, as chair because they didn't like the, the current the, the chair at the time. I didn't know anything at all what was going on. Uh, made no sense to me. Um, but I liked the Mises Caucus, or I liked the Mises Institute, so I was like, well, these guys are probably my kind of people anyway. Um, so I was watching a little bit, and come 2018, when they went down to the convention, they obviously failed at what they had set out to do but they'd only been around for a year and uh two days later or something like that um it was uh tom woods said oh i'm gonna join i'm gonna join the libertarian party i'm i'm full i'm in in it for the the mises caucus and i was like well if tom woods is doing it i might as well too so that's when i joined the party was like july 7th or something uh 2018 just a couple of days later uh i was tagged in the facebook group because they were looking for state organizers uh, in all the different states to try to organize a caucus in each state. Because just in order to go to the national convention, you have to be elected in your state party. So if you're not involved in the state party and the Mises Caucus doesn't have a um, presence in your state party, then you're not going to get elected to go to the national convention anyway. And then you're not going to be able to do anything at the national convention that you want to. So they were really looking for organizers. Someone uh, who was from Connecticut in the Facebook group voluntold me to do it, and there was really nobody else. So I was like, okay, I don't really know what this means, but I'll do it. Um, and that really kicked Risk things of fate. off. Uh, well, yeah, I tell you, uh, that really kicked things off. Um, by November of 2018, we had formed a Discord uh, group, uh, and it was just two of us. It was the guy yeah, there's a lot in there do. now. I'm in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot in there now. Uh, that was not necessarily me or even any of the rest of us in Connecticut. Um, it was just the, 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 the National Caucus just gaining more steam and people listening to other podcasts. And we were like, well, I want to get involved. Um, so uh, from November, uh, uh, November 18, we had our first like meeting on the Discord voice and two of us showed up. There was a few others that had like expressed interest, but two of us showed up to the meeting. We're like, well, that's a start, I guess. Um, by uh, March of 2019, I had started the local count. It wasn't a county at the time, but a local regional party for the Libertarian Party. 
because uh, that was really the only thing that you could do. There wasn't anything. It was the state party and nothing else. And mm-hmm. if you wanted to get involved in the state party, uh, you know, what are you, what are you supposed to do? There's no, there's no meeting. Um, so I said, well, I'll send out letters to registered libertarians in the area and we'll see what happens. And hey, I got like 12 people show up at the first meeting. About five of them consistently showed up afterwards. And that doesn't seem like a whole lot, but when you're in Connecticut and there was nothing before you, hey, that's not too bad. We still get about seven or eight show up now. Um, we've moved to be the, the New Haven County group. Uh, okay. And uh, by the end of 2019, we... One of our members had started the Wyndham County group. He actually started the Wyndham County group before I started mine. Um, and we had gotten a couple of other uh, Mises Caucus members who had just come along and start uh, the, heart, the was beginnings of the Hartford County one. Um, but what was interesting is that by the 2020 convention for the state, um, I was already involved with the state board, the, 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 the ruling body of the, of the party in the state simply because I had shown up and started to do something. So they were like, hey, you started that, that Naugatuck Valley group. Why don't you be on the SEC, the mm-hmm. State Central Committee? Okay, I'll do it. So there were already a couple of us on the State Central Committee simply because we had shown up and started doing stuff, and they invited us onto it. Um, I noticed, I took a look at our bylaws. I, I said, okay, uh, let's, let's change some things. So they had me on the bylaws committee. I said, hey, everybody, come to the convention, everybody we know, all the Mises Caucus people, come to the convention, all the people who aren't Mises Caucus but are involved with our local county affiliates, come to the convention because I want to make this bylaws change um, that will hopefully invigorate more more county groups. And so they did. Well, the off, what happened with that is that we ended up, Mises Caucus people stood up to, to be elected for the state central committee and got elected because we were the people people knew. Uh, it was it was really remarkable. We had not tried to take over, quote unquote, the, the party or anything. Just we started to be active. And so all of a sudden we have a, a control, a huge influence on the state party. And that's been like that since February 2020. And it's only grown. Doom Nation, what is up? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Two Doom Men podcast. As always, make sure you like, share and subscribe. You can hear us where all major podcasts are found. And you can also find us everywhere Trump is banned. IG is at Two Doom Men underscore podcast. Twitter is at Men Doomed, and our Facebook is at Two Doomed Men. And the fastest way to find us everywhere is through linktree.com slash Two Doomed Men. Thank you, Doomed Nation. Have a great day. Yeah. That's awesome. This is, yeah, this, is I was, this is what I love about the Mises Caucus, is people keep asking me and Chris, you know, what can we do? What can we do? You know, what can we honestly really do to stop all this crazy shit that's happening in the world from happening? And... I don't have the, the most perfect answer, but you guys are actually trying to do something. You're trying to build a political movement, a party running for you know local offices, putting together yep. a state party. That's one option of trying to do something. Yep. So I really appreciate the fact that you guys are organizing, making a plan, trying to you know push the you know the libertarian message out there, actually in concrete steps as opposed to you know even us just coming on here and bitching about yeah. the problems of the world every every week. Sure. Well, I mean, and of course, talking about it is making people aware of it. And that's the first step. But you could bitch and moan all you want. If it's not taking action, people aren't taking action because of it. Then, you know, we end up like Australia. Right. um, So uh, the the national caucus, though, was started to 
because of the Ron Paul revolution of 2008 and 2012. The founder of the caucus started it because he was involved in those two campaigns, and he just talks about how energized people were, how people, they didn't care about uh, your different views on certain things in here and that. You could be a centrist libertarian, you could be a right libertarian, you could be even a left libertarian, but... Ron Paul was talking about the Fed and inflation. Like nobody was talking, no politician talks about that. He was, and, and that's a big libertarian kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, is Austrian economics. And um, he was talking about ending the wars. He was, he, he even had a great response to, to heroin legalization, which, you know, is not something that you should lead with necessarily, but he was <laughs> asked about it. And he, and he had the perfect response compared to Gary Johnson a few years later, who had, you know, looked like he is a deer in the headlights. Um, and gave a very unlibertarian response. So it was, hey, we experienced this with Ron Paul. And then when he was done and no longer running, we had nowhere to go with this whole movement, was homeless. And Michael Heiss, the founder of the Mises Caucus, said, well, how about the Libertarian Party? That's kind of a natural fit for us. And he was not exactly thrilled with the way things were going. And, and they weren't the Ron Paul revolution. They had none of this momentum, none of this uh, energy. And so in 2017, after Bill Weld's just disastrous uh, vice presidential campaign, where he frankly endorsed Hillary Clinton three days before the election, yeah, uh, he said, we, we got to stop this. Uh, and we got to bring the Ron Paul revolution back to the, and, and the liberty movement at large. If you talk to libertarians, I would say probably 60 to 70% of the, the nation's libertarians don't have anything to do with the Libertarian Party, simply because the Libertarian Party hasn't been useful or effective at even preaching the Libertarian message of... of, so, of uh, yeah, this would be a good yeah. spot for you to chime in, Cap, I feel. So I actually had a question for this, since I am not well-educated on li the Libertarian Party in itself. How come it, but I've known about the Libertarian Party and, you know, several other parties. How can, like, I understand you guys have this following and this movement, but how come it's always just coming up short? How come there's no one in the news or the media screaming, hey, look, Libertarians, A, B, and C? There, there's very far and few, like, the only Libertarians I know are Ron and Rand Paul and Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, you know? <laughs> And and I'm and I'm sorry to put it that way too, but like no, no. I don't, you don't ever see. There's there's clearly this following and this hunger for the movement, but there's no champion. There's no there's no big media push for it, and it's hard for me to understand. Like I know, you know, the way we feel about the media right now, but it's just strange that there is other options and they can't get a word in edgewise. So I think um, some, here's an example from the 2016 election. The media, obviously, if you're coming from the right side of things, the conservative side of things, you know the media is a joke. They're not not yeah. a joke. They are they are the enemy. Basically, yeah. they they purposely uh, obfuscate things and and they have an agenda, um, for sure. What what was happening in the 2016 election was that they gave Gary Johnson a ton of press and media attention until the polls showed that he was actually taking more votes from Hillary than he was from Trump. Uh, so, And thanks. then they blacklisted him. They purposefully 
uh, like just through the, the whole Aleppo moment. Yeah, they made him look like an that. idiot with that. With the, what is Aleppo? Like an, yeah, they threw that curveball at him. Now he should have been able to respond better than he did, but at the same time, that was an out of nowhere question. What do you think of Aleppo? And he's like, because the context of the previous conversations, the, 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 the conversation that they had up until that point had nothing to do with foreign policy at all. And so all of a sudden, what is Aleppo? Or you know, what do you think of Aleppo? And he says, well, what is Aleppo? Right. He, he responded horribly after that. But that alone, after that, they just ignored him Yeah. completely. So there you go. If it looks like uh, the libertarians have any, if they're going to do anything but wreck a Republican, the media will ignore us. Uh, the way we vote is difficult to get in. We don't have a great chance ballot access laws. You wouldn't have any idea about that unless you're involved in here. But uh, Connecticut's actually not a bad state for that, but it's still very difficult. If we wanted to run a gubernatorial candidate next year, we need 7,500 signatures from registered voters in the state of Connecticut. That takes time and money to gather. And you don't just need 7,500 because some of them are going to get thrown out as not registered, as not in the state, as whatever. So you need probably 10,000 signatures in order just to make sure that you've got enough to get on the ballot. And that's just to get on the ballot. So we don't have a whole lot of funds because we're a third party and people like winners, especially in America. America's like winners and we haven't won anything. So we're starting up from scratch. Uh, that's why I say when Trump's like, I'll just do my own third party. You got the money. You might be able to do a lot better than we do right now. But the two major parties have designed this system yeah. to keep, keep themselves well, yeah. in power. That's, yeah, so that's, that's what I was going to say, that there's there's barriers to entry for third parties. And the barriers to entry are written by the two-party system to prevent any, you know, external Real challenge. party coming in. Right. And so, then, you know, the two you... of them, you know, they govern as if they're a uniparty to begin with. You know, how many times, Chris, have we said that, you know, the, the budget keeps going up under yeah. the conservatives or the, the liberals? So, yep. yeah. Uh, and to give you an idea, we did sue the state. Um, we sued them twice. One for... Uh, during COVID, they're like, oh, you have to stay six feet away. You can't go to, you know, can't go around. You can't be in public places, but you still need your signatures. Well, what the hell? Right. How <laughs> like, are you supposed to do that then? How right. are you supposed to do that? They're like, well, you can get it online now, but it was like such a complicated process that like you had to send them to a website. They had to print out the paper to sign it and then scan it in themselves and email it back to you. Like nobody's doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we also then, so unfortunately they, the, the, the court system took too long to, issue a judgment on that so it didn't matter um and then uh we also we had a before covid messed everything up we had a lawsuit um just in general for the immense amount of time and effort it would it takes to get people on the ballot that um if we wanted to run full slates like the republicans and democrats do in every town um across the state uh, it would cost us more it would cost us so much money that it the Democrats and Republicans combined couldn't do it, you know, wow. themselves. So, um, but again, the court system decided that our uh, suit wasn't uh, good enough and threw it out and said, you don't, you know, it's fine that the laws that are current are justified and fine. Mm -hmm. um, you just need to deal with it. So that's one of the main reasons. That's crazy. See, I'm pretty sure nobody even knew about that either. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, also, 
we've done a terrible job. We've been around for 50 years. The party itself has been around for 50 years. It's done a terrible job of marketing itself. I agree. Um, That's, and, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing that, like, I'm surprised about, like, knowing that there is this following, like, where's the mark? Like, where's the campaign? Where's the people on TV? Like, I feel like most people are libertarian, too. They might not even know yeah. that they are. And and in, yeah. in 2016, which we were talking about before, it was a huge missed opportunity, in my opinion. Even myself, I didn't know that much about the Libertarian Party, but I kind of understood a little bit. And you had two candidates running for president, Trump and Hillary. I hated both of them. Right. So I did vote for Gary Johnson. And I thought, all right, he's pretty chill, dude. Seems all right. Uh, but like we were talking about before, the whole thing got tanked as soon as he uh, no. got a little wind and in his sails. He wasn't the greatest. He honestly wasn't, wasn't the, greatest, the greatest. No, right. No. You know, and, and Joe Jorgensen was a disaster. Yes. Um, we had a huge opportunity this time because Biden was right. I thought for sure twenty twenty could have been your guys' year. I like, you know, believe us, we know. Yeah. Um, we we were really we uh, we we had a candidate. He sabotaged himself by going. We didn't have enough numbers at the 2020 convention, which was derailed anyway in large respect due to COVID. So now we had like online convention or whatever, which totally, it was, it was crazy. Um, But we had a guy who would have been, I think, much better um, in in a lot of respects. It would have been a lot bolder uh, and it would have taken a lot more risks, which is what you needed in 2020. Um, And uh, he derailed himself by going after some of the other candidates, and we didn't have enough votes to overcome the middle of the roaders who were at the convention who said, right. I don't like that he attacked other libertarians. So we lost that. Uh, huge, huge opportunities. We're going to get another one in 2024 because I guarantee you the two candidates, one of them is going to be Kamala Harris, who's the worst. Right. <laughs> Are they going to, I mean, is the GOP going to nominate DeSantis? I don't think so. I, it's going to be somebody like Nikki Haley. I don't know. Maybe, maybe well, well, that's so hard to predict because yeah. you know Trump is still in is still in the uh, fold. Also, as much as people, some people don't think he is, Insane. he, he is. So, yeah, yeah you know what? They, way old. They're already they're already hunting down DeSantis. Every time Biden speaks, you got to throw a little shade to DeSantis. So he's the one that they're scared of the most. That makes so, me think. Right. That makes me yeah. think that they know he is going to run. Yeah. So, so. hey, that, that'll be an interesting. Uh, yeah. That'll be a little interesting because I know a lot of libertarians who are, are right-leaning libertarians who may, especially in battleground states, who, who, would, who would vote for him, where they might not have voted for, uh, well, they certainly wouldn't vote for Nikki Haley or somebody like right. that. Um, yeah. In terms of the so, Mises caucus, and, you know, man, I'm really hoping that Dave decides to, uh, Dave Smith decides to run, even yeah, if it's just too. as a speaking tour, as he's said it himself. You know, the person who put me onto the Mises Caucus was Dave Smith, and has he's changed my mind on a lot of the issues. Uh, so yeah, I feel like really hoping for that too. giving him the soapbox or the parapet or whatever you want to call it, at least, you know, he might change a lot more people's minds or wake a lot more people up. So I'm hoping that's yep, that happens. And it's, hey, look, look at what the Ron Paul revolution was. It was a presidential campaign. It was a primary campaign. Um, it was and, and compared to 2012, 2024, there's so many more avenues to be to, to speak you know before 2008 2012 you had to be on the debate stage nobody's right. watching nobody's now you have podcast i mean you can go on joe rogan again right and yeah. get in front of millions and millions of of, of uh, ears uh and and who knows what other podcasts of course kennedy has them on Gutfeld has them on 
Uh, I'm sure Tucker Carlson, the biggest name in, in Fox News, would probably have him on, especially if he's excluded from the debate. Um, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. There's a, there's a huge opportunity in 2024, too. Um, and the Mises Caucus doesn't really go for they, they don't um, focus on larger uh, races, uh, except for the one goal of the presidential race is going to be get that message out, reignite some passion in the libertarian movement. A lot of those Ron Paul people who are disgusted with the libertarian party, let's get them back uh, in action and build a base that can knock on doors for local town council races, city commissioner races, things like that, um, county commissioner races. Uh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. 100%. Go ahead. So hold on a second, though. You, you're saying you have that one goal of the presidency, but why aren't like why isn't the party trying to break it up throughout the Senate and the House as well? So the, the party is party is um, when you're talking about uh, a just a U.S. House race, mm-hmm. the average spending on U.S. House races for the two major parties is over a million dollars. Uh, there's just not the funds for a third party. And so that's why you got the uh, one goal. Yeah. So the president is not going to win the president. I mean, it was, I mean, it would take, it would take a miracle, right. Uh, for Dave Smith to, to get in the white house. Well, that's but, what they said about Trump. So there's hope, <laughs> but he was a Republican. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's when people go to the polls, they are scared to death of the other team. Yes. And unless we change the way we vote, uh, so something like ranked choice voting or approval voting or star voting or whatever it is, all the different alternatives that are out there. Unless we choose to do something like that, uh, I really don't see when, when, when conservatarians show up to the polls and they're in a battleground state, they aren't voting for a third party because God forbid the Democrat gets in there. Right. Same thing, centrist uh, Democrats. And oh, that becomes a like talking that. point of the campaigns too. like, you know, you, ha- you can't risk. Uh, I think I've heard Bernie Sanders say it before, like, yes, we want to support third parties, but, you know, it's too important right now to uh, to risk voting Every- for once. It's always the most important election right. of the lifetime. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Oh, I'm Every sorry. I'm sorry. I robbed you. <laughs> Every election is the most important election of our lifetime. Um, and they want it that way they, because they keep the power. The only way uh, an outsider gets in like AOC is if she primaries, uh, you know, if you're in a heavily like a Democrat area or a heavily Republican area, you primary the guy who's been in there for forever and, and is, is, is kind of lackadaisical. Yeah, Joe um, Crawley, right. Yeah, these people have buckets of money that third parties simply don't have. They're not on the ballot yet anyway, so they got to knock on doors to get in, you know, signatures to get on the ballot. House races and especially Senate races very, very difficult to make any headway in. I mean, we had a, we had a decent, radical libertarian uh, running in Georgia for the Senate, and they blame him for the, for the Democrats, uh, you know, uh, winning those two, because had he not been in that one race, it's possible that um, the Republican would have won. Wait, another reason for Republicans to get on board with ranked choice voting, because I almost guarantee you the Republican would have won uh, with ranked choice voting, where he didn't win later on because Stacey Abrams had two more months to figure out how to get that election. Um, you know what I think would be a, a really simple 
very, very simple fix to some voting issues is if they stop putting what party you are affiliated with on the ballot. So the, the ballot shouldn't say Joe Biden, D, Donald Trump, R. It should just say their names because that will eliminate some people just voting for Team Red and voting for Team Blue. They'll now just have names. And if they're completely ignorant of what's going on or who these people <laughs> so you are, trying to get lucky votes. In? No, they might. <laughs> you might encourage people to do an five minutes of research at least into who they're even voting for instead of having those those, like people who are just laser you know blue anon people or the uh you know the maga people who are in a a cult of personality you know worshiping trump i i need people to do a little bit more critical thinking as you were saying and maybe that's one way you could get it because i've I've been to the polls before and i you know and then i look at some of the down ballot people and i got no idea who they are so I've literally even at the ballot box got on my phone and Googled, yeah. you know, them to try and make some sort of educated decision on it. But who, yep. who's going to really do that? You know, most yeah. people won't. So, I, so the nonpartisan elections, which is what you're describing, basically is going to work best at the local level where nobody knows who anybody is anyway. Um, right. Obviously, with president, it ain't going to work. You, you're going to know. You're going to know. Yeah. yeah. You're going to know who, who, who the two main parties are and you're, you're, the media is going to ignore any third party. True. Um, so it's not going to work there, but it certainly could at local levels, maybe even state house levels, state senate levels. Uh, See, I think it, that's it, worth it, though. It, it might have a tr- trickle up effect, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. And I, I agree that that is um, that's certainly an option. Um, I mean, ranked choice voting is coming in. I don't think that's going to be the uh, the golden goose here. That's Could you briefly be... explain uh, ranked choice? Uh, Cap, are you familiar with ranked choice? I kind of yeah. have an idea of what it is, but I'm not 100%. Yeah. So in, in, in races where only one winner, uh, which is most of the you know state house, U.S. house, that kind of thing, um, instead of just checkmarking uh, you know, the box next to the name you want, the candidate you want, and then going about your business, just one vote, you rank them in order of preference. So let's just take the 2016 election or even the 2020 election. Um, I don't like Trump or Biden enough to vote for them. My real preference is for uh, Joe Jorgensen, maybe someone else. So if I'm going to the polls and I'm in a battleground state, I could say Joe Jorgensen is unlikely to win. I'm not going to vote for her. I'm going to have to vote for Trump so that Biden doesn't win. A lot of my family did that. A lot of my friends in Pennsylvania did that because it was a battleground state. They felt they had to. Well, with ranked choice voting, I could say, well, I'm going to rank Joe Jorgensen first, uh, and then I'll put Trump second, or even a third part, a second third party second, and then Trump third, just as long as he's ahead of Biden. The way it's counted then is like a runoff, like the Georgia runoffs. If no candidate gets 50% in the first round of voting, no candidate gets those the first rankings, they count those first. If no candidate gets 50% of the first rankings uh, or a majority of the first rankings, then they eliminate the lowest um, vote getter. So say that's Joe Jorgensen. Um, If Joe Jorgensen was the lowest vote getter, then she's eliminated all the votes, all the ballots that had her as the first choice get transferred to their second choice. So most of them would probably be Trump. But to be honest, with Joe Jorgensen's BLM fiasco, it could have been been the Biden, too. They're transferred over. And this happens each round until somebody gets a majority. So what it does Mm -hmm. is it eliminates the spoiler effect. No 
longer do you go to the polls and think, I can't vote for a libertarian, I can't vote for a green party, I can't vote for a constitution party, because if I do, then the then the, the evil team could win. I need to give my vote to the to the least bad of the two major teams. Well, That's not like actually a bad idea. Yeah, I think I think New York City just did this for the uh, for their primary for the mayor, um, yeah, which did. might explain why Eric Adams won the uh, Democrat. I'm not 100 percent sure if this is accurate or not, but Eric Adams won the Democratic side and he was maybe the least crazy of the uh, Democratic uh, candidates. So maybe maybe it worked somewhat for for him. Yeah, yeah. It, um, so the first the had it happened differently, so unfortunately, typically, uh, Democrats and left and more left-leaning people advocate for this. Um, they did. Yeah, they they put it in, and, and I don't. I don't really know why. I, I'm very familiar with the system. I advocate for it myself. You actually use it in the Libertarian Party. I'm going to go with uneducated. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, all I know is they advocate it more, and they 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 got it passed in Maine in the first time they used it in 2018 uh the incumbent republican had the most first rankings but barely but it was also less than 50 percent and then when they eliminated the other three candidates the democrat came out on top because the other three candidates had uh him higher on the rankings right and so from that point on republicans are like it's a terrible system because 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 it didn't work yeah they tried something new once and it failed to reelect their guy. Uh, meanwhile, had they had it in 2018 in Kentucky, uh, it's possible that they wouldn't have had the governor Bashir, who's been awful, the Democrat, won. Uh, and I think the Libertarian candidate had like five times the number of votes to the um, to the margin. Um, so it's very it's unlikely that the Democrat would have won had the Libertarian not been in the, the race. And had they ranked choice voting, the, all those Libertarian votes would have been transferred over to one of the two major parties, and it's likely that the Republican would have ended up winning. Now, would it have been better than Bashir? Probably a little bit, but you've seen right. some of these Republican governors yeah. with COVID. They, they weren't that much they weren't better. As, right, they weren't as, right, they were yeah. not that much better. Two wings yeah. of government attached to the same bird. Yeah, yeah very I, I few did, of them would have been Christy Noem, I guarantee you. Right. I do think it's honestly a good idea worth exploring because it'll take away the fear of, oh, my, vo- my vote's going to be wasted. Uh, by, That's the main thing. It removes it'll encourage people effect. to vote for like the person you actually want. And then if that doesn't work out, your backup is the yeah. lesser of two evils. It's, it works just like a runoff. You can yeah. think of it just like a runoff. If you go in to an election and there's a million names on there, you vote for the person you want first. They don't make it to the to the next round, or the, or the typically the runoff is only top two. But if they don't make it to like you know the end, well then you can always go to the next round. There's it's <laughs> not a space. It's called in fact ranked choice voting originally was called instant runoff voting. Okay. Um, so it's the same thing. It's just a runoff election only done instantly as opposed to you know two months later. Um, that's not a specific uh, – the Libertarian Party of Connecticut advocates for that, uh, but that's not a specific Libertarian Mises caucus uh, thing. Um, but I just thought I'd uh, mention that. But, again, why isn't the Libertarian Party big? Uh, funding. Funding. Uh, Money. Hard to win elections. Yeah. 
Um, and you know what? Uh, a lot of people say, why would I put in time and effort into a party that um, isn't going to win? And I think what ends up happening is there's conservatarians out there. They'll agree with libertarians on 80. They'll agree with libertarians on more things than they agree with the, the Republicans on. But um, a couple of things will stick with them. Uh, libertarians have uh, some are closed borders uh, on immigration. Others are open borders on immigration. Most are actually uh, in the middle there. But because they're not like a firm stance on something and immigration is the number one issue for someone, oh, I only agree with the Republicans on 50%, but it's that immigration issue. I can't be a libertarian, even though I agree right. with them on 80% of everything else. Right. Uh, same, thing with, same thing with abortion, pro-life. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to pro-life people. They agree with libertarians on almost everything, but because the platform is ostensibly pro-choice, they can't deal with it. Uh, okay, this one thing, you can, we can even work to you know, manipulate the, the platform. If there's enough people, the platform can, can change yeah. a little bit. Maybe just delete that plank. So each candidate, you can be a pro-life candidate for libertarians. You can be a pro-choice candidate for libertarians and all that. But uh, I've seen so many re like Republican conservative uh, libertarians, really, they agree with me on almost everything. Um, and I'm pro-life and, and I'm not for open borders myself. So we pretty much agree on everything. But I'll go with the Republicans. Why do they go with the Republicans when they agree with the Libertarians on most things? Because the Republicans win. If the Libertarians won, yeah. and, uh, you know, and they agreed with the Libertarians, they would, they would say, yeah, I don't like the abortion plank, but I agree with this party more than I agree with the Democrats. It's kind, it's kind of like, sorry to interrupt. It, it's kind of like basically what we've seen over the past decade of footballs. It's been real easy to be a Patriots fan. When the Yankees were hot, it's real easy to be, you know what I mean? You might love... You might love your home team, but you know the Patriots keep winning. So I'm, you know, fair. Weather. I could see yeah. how, it, yeah, fans, yeah, like you said before, people love a winner. I do think you're also right. There are certain issues that are deal breakers for people in a way. You know, I consider maybe Second Amendment issues a deal breaker for myself. If you're uh -huh. any candidate and you come and tell me, you know, I want to pass more gun restrictions, I'm done with you. Like I ain't ever supporting you or having to hear anything else no. you have to say. So. I sure. hate to be that way, but there are certain things that are just lines in the sand. I, the COVID yep, I, passports and restrictions, that's another line in the sand for me. I ain't ever, you know, giving any other candidate consideration who's going to support the vaccine passport, which we'll get into a little bit of that, um, or, or more restrictions because of that. That You're done, you know, with me. Even like podcasters or YouTubers, if I see any of them, uh, you know, try and justify it or rationalize it. Uh, I, I, I recently mentioned uh, Kyle Kalinske. He's a pretty popular leftist. I, I enjoyed him. I'm, he's dead to me now because he <laughs> threw a little bit of support behind Biden's uh, vax mandate thing. I, I couldn't believe it. So, you know, there are lines in the sand yeah. for everybody. The, the, I, I, the vax mandate stuff, is it, this is our hill. This is the hill to die yeah. on because mm -hmm. they, they can do that. Right. They could do anything. What, anything. Nothing stopping them. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the crazy stuff about that is that like, oh, it's just it's just a shot and we've been doing this for it's public just, schools anyway it's just it's right. just it's just a box car it's just two weeks it's yeah you know what I mean, something some uh point, something uh, interesting we were talking about rothbard before and i i just read anatomy of the state for the first time and uh it really is eye-opening I, I gave it to chris he still got to read it uh, i lost there, it at a party <laughs> yeah there's there's a line in there that stuck with me um that i remember and it's about the Supreme Court and ruling on constitutionality or not constitutional. And I believe it said something in terms of like, if 
the constitution, if the Supreme Court is supposed to be the great check on if something is constitutional or unconstitutional, um, they could be used also as a way to just justify or rationalize something being constitutional that really isn't constitutional. For example, this fax mandate thing, I'm sure it's going to go to the Supreme Court, uh, you know, with lawsuits or whatever. And for some reason, it gets, you know, some behind the scenes machination happens and the administration is able to convince the Supreme Court to rule that it is constitutional. Okay, they say it's constitutional now. Is it is it not tyranny now all of a sudden? No, it still is tyranny. It still is wrong. But now they've used the excuse of, well, the Supreme Court has ruled it's constitutional. So the Supreme Court and, and the ruling on if something is constitutional or not can almost be used as a weapon to further tyranny, I, I guess, you know, if that makes any sense to yeah, you guys. So I, think, I, think, I, think, I think it's an anatomy of the state. It could be an ethics of liberty, too. But I think it's an anatomy of the state where he, where he, um, he says we have to – he talks about – it's a very similar thing, which is why I'm bringing it up. He talks about how we have to ditch this idea that we are the government. Um, because he says, like, if if fifty one percent of the population decides to murder the other forty nine percent, and they have a vote, and the government then does so and commits this horrible genocide, we we can't we don't think of it, and we can't possibly. It's totally illogical to think of it as the forty nine percent murder themselves, right? Because they weren't the government. Right. We aren't the government, um, and and it's 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 very similar in that does calling ourselves the government or does having democracy do it does it make something that's horribly wrong right now no it doesn't these things are horribly wrong because of something outside of this idea of democracy it's something outside the idea of that of the government's doing it it's okay um, because there were representatives that voted for it or something like no taxation without representation well even if i have representation he decides to tax me it's still not okay right i mean this is still my money you're taking from me just because you know, he's a representative of mine or he's the government and I didn't leave is the other thing. Like, oh, if you don't like the government here, you know, you can always leave. Like, right. no, this is my house. I'm not leaving my property because you've decided that you can do what you want with it. You know, like we have to stop it. Um, yeah. And that's, the, that's basically the fundamentals of, of libertarianism is you own your body. You own tangible property because you own your body. And Nobody has the right to interfere with those things without your permission. Nobody has the right to, and most of the time we've been okay, you know, the body thing was undebatable. It was, you know, nobody has the right to force you to do something with your body that you don't want to do, well, until now, um, which is the scariest part because that's the most fundamental thing. But even the property, like most of us understand somebody doesn't have the right to come on your property and do something uh, that you don't want them to do. and the only difference between libertarianism and most people who understand these things is that libertarians don't make exceptions for government agents. Just because you're a government agent, just because you slap police on your, on your shirt or, 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 or you're some sort of representative that got voted in doesn't mean that you can come onto my property and do what you want with it or tell me I can't put a shed, you know, 12 feet from the property line or something no, like you that. You can't fly a flag or all those stupid HOA rules and just, uh, yeah. yeah HOA, yeah, sure. HOA, HOAs are, are tricky because in some respects they might be libertarian, but most of them have these government privileges, and, and it's, it's a weird kind of amalgamation of, of state and and HOA. Like it's not it's not just a 
I bought this house knowing what the rules were. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I can't really like, I don't feel like that's a justifiable um, argument for the government. I bought this house knowing that there were taxes. Yeah, but that's not the same thing as like, here's a small HOA where, and I could be wrong on this too, because a lot of libertarians argue against HOAs just from this very nature. Um, but they're like private, they're more private right. um, agreements. Whereas I got, where can you, I don't have to buy a house with an HOA. I have to buy a house where a government tells me I have to pay taxes or I get evicted, right? right. There's like nowhere that that exists at this point. You, you know what so, I kind of view that as? As like a hippie commune <laughs> in a way. And, and from what I've come to understand, if we have like a completely anarchist capitalist society, you could still have a, a communist commune within that yeah, society. Yeah. If you agree to join that, that's on you. That's, you know, as long as you don't come and violate my property or, or anything like that, what yeah. do I care what you're doing. So that's kind of the way I see it in HOA. You're uh, agreeing to join that community and pay the dues and whatever. No one forces you to, to do that. Right. But then you can't come from that. Like th- there is one nearby where I live here. Uh, they can't come over here to my house and be like, well, you have to give us dues now because you live nearby or, or something right. like that. <laughs> right. That, and, and that's um, it's interesting. You mentioned the, the, the community thing, because that's how Hans Hermann Hoppe, um, he said, in uh, I believe it's the way forward or, or, or what must be done. I think it was could be could be one of those. I'm not as familiar with his work, um, but he talks about covenant communities. This is how we have libertarianism in our lifetime as we form covenant communities, and um, it's it's kind of like HOAs where there's hey, there's some agreements. I want to live in a community that shares my cultural beliefs. You know, I'm more of a conservative uh, family man. I don't want libertinism. I don't want drugs and sex orgies out on the front lawn of my neighbor. Like, I just, I don't want to live next to these kind of sure, people. Sure. Totally cool if you want to, just make sure you stay away from my property. And in order to preserve that, maybe we form this HOA kind of community. Um, but see, that's a voluntary thing. That there's no state law that says certain things and restricts certain things. That's more of just a, I'm buying this property. Um, I'm making sure that my neighbors are similar in values. Um, and that's one way, uh, as uh, Pete Quinonia says, uh, 10,000 Lichtensteins, right? Lichtenstein is this tiny little, you know, principality. I mean, they, they have a prince. It's, it's their leader, the, the actual prince. Um, but they have, they're one of the freest nations in the world. Uh, they have, uh, and they're, they're small enough and decentralized enough. They don't have an army that's out there bombing people and taxing you to, to kill people. Um, and how do we form 10,000 Liechtensteins? Maybe it's not full anarcho-capitalism like we might like, but hey, it's a heck of a lot better than now. I'm totally cool with that. Um, and I think a lot of libertarians, a lot of the Mises caucus would totally be um, on board with that kind of thinking. It's just what's, it's, that's what the Free State Project in some respects yeah. is, only they're doing it as a whole state. Yeah, that's what I was telling you, Chris, about in New Hampshire, um, libertarians have like the Free State Project. They're working on basically making a libertarian state Okay. You know, if they can, um, yeah. Well, it started. It started in 2002, I think. Um, yeah, it's, when a... they, it's been going on for a while. And they, they, what they did was they said, "All right, we're going to have to sign up on online. Anybody who signs up is pledging to move to New Hampshire once we trigger 20,000 signups, uh, and we're going to make this happen." And they actually triggered the 20,000 in 2015. So it took them like 13 years to get there. Wow. Lots of people had moved early. Of course, out of the 20,000, how many? You yeah, know, life change. Some of them died. Some of them right. had families. Yeah, you know, life happens. Make it, life happens. Um, but yeah, they've 
they're really starting now, six years after the, the move was triggered. I've, I'm seeing changes up there that are significant. I mean, and I don't know if you know this, um, Skaggs, but their Speaker of the House is a Rothbardian. Really? Yes, the Speaker of the House of the, of the New Hampshire House of Representatives is a Rothbardian libertarian. He, just, okay. he ran that's, as a Republican. That's another encouraging. Thing that helps, yeah, another thing that helps the, the New Hampshire um, libertarians up there, uh, most of them are running not as, as one of the two major parties, but um, they have 400 House in, in the House of Representatives. They have less than half of the population that Connecticut has, and they have uh, two and a half times the number of representatives. So they have a representative, like one representative per 3,600 or 3,700 people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's small, tiny district. You can knock on all those doors. Right. You can be known in your district. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit easier for a third party to even get involved because of how small that is, and it requires less money to do. So that's another thing that I advocate here just on my own time um, is just increasing the size of the House of Representatives. You might say, oh, there's more government, more, more politicians. Yeah, but each power, the power of each one is diluted a little bit. Yes, and I agree. you're more accountable to the smaller district you have. Um, it's a little easier for you to have competition. One of the reasons why the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives is so difficult for people to break into is because of how big it is. Uh, you're talking about 750,000 people uh, in each U.S. House district. You're not getting uh, any traction in there unless you've got lots of money. Mm. And these makes these the world go parties, around. These big parties, they have the big donors. They can drop one to two million dollars on their house race. And you can drop about fifteen thousand off. You're not winning that race. It's no. not happening. Yeah, some more barriers to entry. Um, yep. So let's let's. Uh, you got anything else, Cap? Before we change gears here and talk no, some news. Um, so I, I got one news story. I, maybe we could discuss a little bit, which is, I think is an interesting cross between maybe culture war stuff, government overreach, um, and this is last week. There was a uh, restaurant in Manhattan that uh, apparently kicked out some, let me see, I got it here. Kicked out Carmine's. some Carmine's, yes. And uh, sorry, I'm right out here. Um, so an incident at Carmine's last week in Manhattan, wherein three black women from Texas were charged for assaulting a hostess at the restaurant, allegedly over a vaccine verification dispute. And as a lawyer from one of, for one woman subsequently claimed because the hostess who is of Asian descent used a racial slur. A lawyer representing Carmines has that disputed the allegation about racial slur. Video footage of the incident shows no includes no audio, but it can be seen that three women were being led inside uh, by a member of the staff who was not the hostess. But once inside, the hostess is seen exiting to return her post when all three customers turn to follow her back outside. One of them approaches the hostess's hostess from behind and begins speaking as the others circled and a fight ensues. So I'm going to pull a receipt here from previous podcast episodes. Uh, and I said, and I believe you said the same thing, Chris, that when they enacted this NY key to NYC yes. pass or whatever, that they were going to, you know, that the it was public knowledge that the black community in New York City was one of the least vaccinated communities. And this is essentially enacting a version of some sort of systemic racism, racism that was going to disproportionately affect them. They wouldn't be able to go to work. They won't be able to go to restaurants and participate in society the way every normal person does. And uh, this was the Democrats doing it. Right. So now here you have an example of that happening. You have, you know, a couple of black people go to a restaurant. 
And I don't know the exact situation behind their papers. You know, give me your papers. Were their papers right? I assume they weren't vaccinated. And now they're pissed, right? Now Black Lives Matter has come out and uh, they had a protest there on Monday. And I'm going to share this. Which is shocking because it's not an election year. (laughs) But hey, I'll I'll take it. I'll take uh, the fight against this, however we can get it. So the Black Lives Matter of Greater New York leader blasts vaccine mandates as racist and disrespectful. Um, Mayor Bill de Blasio aggressively pushed a vaccine passport system that bars entries to restaurants, blah, blah, blah. But with black residents lagging overall, the rules are disproportionately affecting a minority group, usually in step with democratic policies. Uh, Hawk Newsom is a black activist and co-founder of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York. Uh, And he founded the group with his sister. Newsom spoke with the Washington Examiner about the difficulties vaccine hesitant blacks are facing in the era of medical passports. We are not anti-vaxxers. Some of us are vaccinated. It's an individual's choice. No one should be forced to put something in someone's bodies. That is music to my ears. That- yeah, yeah. I said yeah. this. I said this to you, Skaggs. I go, wow, what a turn of events would it be if like BLM turns a corner and saves America from vaccine <laughs> mandates? Like, burnt it down one summer. Next summer, we we're going to save you guys. Don't worry. Yeah. Hey, I, I am all for that. That'd be awesome. And, and one thing I could say about the uh, Black Lives Matter, um, the organization as a whole, especially the national organization, is a, is a Marxist. Right. It's, yeah. It's, it's a trap. I don't even know if it's like, I don't think it was grassroots. It's like a CIA trap. Yes, I agree. Um, Probably something like that. But some of the local chapters, I do think are legit um, in their quest for criminal justice reform, um, police reform, and things like that. Um, So it doesn't, it does surprise me that this happened, but not really. Um, Because it, it everybody knew like 70 percent of the black community yeah. in new york city was unvaccinated and you're, you're now like basically telling them they can't function in the real world i mean, I mean it's jim crovid as i've been calling it um which it, it's it's striking to me um and, and meanwhile the the woke white liberals are cheering you know um which just goes to show you exactly where they come from um yeah. it has nothing to do with with uh, sincere beliefs uh, about uh, the impoverished African American community. Um, hey, yeah. I, I love it, and and I think um, and one of the things that the Mises Caucus is big on is issue coalition. But we don't have to agree on everything. But if we agree on something, that one thing, we can yep. work together to make change. And uh, oh, unity! I, you mean Jesus? <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Uh, the founder, um, he's in a Democrat town in uh, in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philly. And he went to the police chief and said, look, I'm going to I'm going to work on. Um, I really want to push marijuana legalization here in the, in the county um, or the town. Even. I don't even know. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, you know what? I, I, it's time. And this is this is like a, a sheriff or something. Um, and he went to all the, the local um, left leaning drug legalization groups. And uh, they went into the town council, which is mostly Democrat and convinced them to pass the ordinance that decriminalized um, uh, marijuana in his in his county and he was working with a whole bunch of democrats even though there's no way he's a democrat um and uh that's the way the i know the Mises caucus i think in denver was working with left-leaning groups to decriminalize um psilocybin the the mushrooms 
Um, and I know the Mises Caucus uh, in, I think it's Washington State, uh, was with uh, another leftist group that was anti-war. Um, the very few anti-war leftists that are still around. Yeah, where they've, they went, they've become uh, the neocons yeah. now for the most part. <laughs> yeah, the war hawk <laughs> is crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's nuts how things change so quickly. Uh, but yeah, issue coalitions. I've actually been thinking in Connecticut um, because there's local chapters. I think there's a chapter in Bridgeport. There might be a little bit larger than just one city, but um, find out if these local chapters are are le- like legit interested in in actual change. That isn't right. like the stupid defund the police, which is so nebulous and impossible yeah. to do anyway. Um, you know, I was thinking maybe the Libertarian Party of Connecticut can work with these local BLM chapters to both to do two things, decriminalize drugs in, the, in specific cities, because um, that's where it's going to be the easiest to do, um, and then also help fund and establish or work with something that's already established, uh, rehab centers or addiction centers, because it's not like decriminalizing it makes automatically everybody's makes life better. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. Um, the vast majority of people are not going to go be like, oh, it's decriminalized. I'm going to go try heroin now. These people have already tried it while it was illegal. Um, and I, just because it's now slightly easier, I don't think it's going to make a difference. Besides, if they do want to try it, if they were going to try it anyway, if we can get them to have it where it's not laced with fentanyl, where it's yeah. much purer, safer dose. I mean, there's just a million reasons for these people's sake why it should be decriminalized. And if we, if the Libertarian Party of Connecticut isn't going to be able to do it on, on their own, for one. We're not big enough, um, and we don't have the funds enough. But if we can work with a group that's ostensibly formed for this very purpose, um, not decriminalization, but for, for um, criminal justice reform. Well, if it's decriminalized, that's the number one reason why African-Americans and police have hostile engagement right. is, is because drugs are criminalized. Um, and so if we can work on that together, that'd be awesome. Now, I have no idea... Uh, if the, the local chapters are, are up for it. Um, but I'm, I'm going to see um, on the on the nationwide, um, you know, talk to the to the New York City Mises Caucus people and see if there's any interest um, or any ability for them to reach out, to work with, reach out to that BLM. Yeah, and work on the vaccine uh, mandate thing. Um, that's a good that's a good that, thing, man. I'm all for that. Dialogue is key. Um, one of the things I didn't like about the situation in with this restaurant in Manhattan is the the protests came to the restaurant and was very aggressive with the people working at the restaurant. The way I look at that is I get it. You're mad. But those are just other normal yeah. people who probably are, agree with you. Right. And they're just normal people. It wasn't the restaurant who is wielding that power over the people or enacted that policy. It was Mayor de Blasio and the government of New York City who did the same guy who painted that Black Lives Matter uh, mural on the floor in front of Trump (laughs) Towers and was dancing around uh, after he did so. That's the guy you should be really aiming your ire or your protest at, not other normal, powerless people. And are you are you you ever seen The Lord of the Rings? Stephen? Yeah, I, I love the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. So the the way I the when I when I read the situation, it reminded me of the Council of. I'm a big Lord of the Rings nerd, right? So it reminded me of the Council of Elrond, and mm-hmm. they were presented with the ring. Here's the problem: the ring of power. It's evil. And uh, Boromir says we should take this ring and use it as a gift against our enemies. And Aragorn says you cannot wield it; it'll corrupt you. There's nothing we could do; it can only be destroyed. And they get into this huge big argument. 
And as everybody at the council is fighting, you could see their reflection in the ring of them all fighting fire. You could hear Sauron in the background, menacing, laughing, enjoying this division, this fighting between everybody. That's Bill de Blasio. Normal people here are fighting each other over his, you know, government controlled policy. And he's in the background like, yes, good division. That's, right. That's I see it. Well, sim- you know, it's a stupid reference, but that's the way I see it as. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something that Dave Smith has mentioned, so you'll you'll be familiar with it. That's how the woke. That's how the whole woke identity politics BS started. They were at Occupy Wall Street attacking the real enemies there. Now yes. they probably didn't have very good solutions because they're leftists and they don't know any economics at all. But they were attacking the banks, which at this point are not independent in any way. They're they're state actors at this point. They're so heavily regulated um, and so interconnected. I mean. Every U.S. Treasury uh, Secretary is former Goldman Sachs guy anyway. Um, so it's very clear that these, these bankers are not innocent at all. So they were attacking the right group, the Federal Reserve. They might not have known what that was, but that's the banking system we have. They were, they were after the banks. And then, what, all of a sudden, now, less than a year later, we have the, the woke racism is everywhere kind of stuff. Um, it, it's, a, it's a corporate plot, man, or, yeah. or a state. It's a the state conspiracy. Plot. Or as I like to say, a spoiler. Hey, yeah. it's it's it's. I think it's legit that, that this was not an organic woke movement here going on. This was a yeah. um, this was a concerted effort to keep the leftists from um, from attacking the right, you know, enemies. Right, from uh, keeping people as enemies. When when you're when you think you're common, you know, when your neighbor, when you think your neighbor is your them. enemy, you're never gonna you know band together and form a coalition. That, you know, we'll yeah. get something done or make a change that you might like. Yep. Yep. The, the, well, that's uh, the whole point of the history of the people book you were reading. Oh, people's history of the United people's States. History, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a yeah. Um, it's a tactic that's been deployed throughout, um, you know, the American government since the beginning. You know, I believe it was originally, you know, make sure that the uh, poor white folk and the Native Americans and the slaves hated each other. Because if they were ever to, uh, you know, band together and try and, you know, make some sort of improvement upon their lives, that would threaten the elite of the time. So they gave the, uh, you know, they gave the poor whites like free land, use them as like a buffer between the Native Americans and et cetera. So it's it's, it's always been a tactic deployed by the elite. It works. Uh, It certainly does. But I do hope that the um, the BLM of the greater New York is just the first one. And that these these um, these groups can start to really work towards something that that we can align with them on. I mean, it's not like we don't align with them on on criminal justice reform anyway, but right. it's very difficult to do that when the national uh, group is very Marxist. Yeah. When they're not necessarily attacking government buildings, they're attacking private property. Right. That, um, yeah. That's my biggest criticism of them. And that's my criticism again here. It's, it's you're, you're attacking other normal people who are, who are not really directly responsible for what you, you know, your 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 objective is. Your your ire is misplaced, uh, you know, during the riots. That was our biggest criticism. You know, I, 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 I fully get I vibe with the sentiment and, and I have uh, sympathy for everything. But that doesn't mean you go and burn down some random person's yeah. business. You know, who probably yeah. supports you. You don't know how every person feels about a situation. I mean, and, and who, know, who knows? I, I, see, I see people claiming that that was uh, um, uh, different groups. Uh, some of them say white supremacy groups. I think that's 
bogus. I, I really think it's more um, the Fed. Uh, right. Yeah. That are that are doing most. Uh, so agent provocateurs. That, see, right. 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 I mean, every <laughs> you see the J six, the justice for J six right. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, that was a Fed fest. Crap. You want to go down oh the black God. hole? That's Chris's. Uh, that's Chris's uh, yep, realm. Fed there. fest. Oh I mean, yeah, that was absolutely. funny the other day. <laughs> Fed that fest. Was, they were. Yeah, there were Absolutely. so many feds at the uh, the the rally the other day that they're arresting themselves. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because nobody else showed up. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, that was the same thing. Was uh, I was trying to say this here? Uh, oh, I don't know. It was probably like January seventeenth or something like that, like three days before the inauguration or something. Um, and they're like the Democrats here in my town where I am. Uh, they're they're it's difficult um, to, <laughs> to speak. Same. Yeah, to speak. Come, you know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Um, so they were like, haha, like they got to got the date wrong or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this was clearly a Fed trap. I mean, this is, there was no possible way that this January 17th thing was legit. Like, I know nobody who was planning on going, uh, you know, and I'm not necessarily conservative or in the conservative, uh, you know, Republican things in the town, but like, it was so obvious that all of these things were that, and I didn't even know about this justice for J six thing until, until the, the funny story about the feds arresting the feds, um, you know, have, or the Capitol police, the guy who arrested the Capitol police guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the funny thing with get... the, with the J six thing, I didn't know about it until people started posting not to go to it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I try and, you know, on our podcast, you know, Instagram, et cetera, we try and follow everybody every sort of political leaning. So we follow a lot of MAGA diehard people and all of them. I didn't know of it either. Like you're saying, Chris, that it was going down. I didn't know of it myself until like cat turd, who was like a, <laughs> a, a MAGA, you know, like mascot was like, don't go to this thing. It's fake. It's a trap. And then Trump himself came out and said it. So, yeah, well, see, I didn't even know that. That's pretty funny because unfortunately I actually joined Twitter in 2000. Um, I originally joined in 2009, but didn't do anything with it. Um, but I rejoined in 2016 and started getting back on because of Trump. I was like, I gotta nice. find out what this guy's saying on there. Um, and now that he's gone, it's definitely less fun. Yeah, oh, you yeah. know, it's I'm, I'm on there a lot. It's it's a good way to get information and news right from the source. Oh, but it's also it's also a cesspool and a war zone. Oh, yeah, it's I've actually found it to be to be fun because trolling trolling is fun to me. Um, but uh, I often say Twitter is where I find my um, my news like I, fi I find out what's going on in the world so much faster being on twitter than i because i don't watch this garbage that they have right. on tv and and where else i'm not going to be on their websites i'm going to be on cnn or whatever and you know any any of that but the fastest way like twitter is the fastest way to learn anything's going on that's actually how i knew about the um about j6 when it was happening was, was twitter right I was people at work. Like, yeah, I, was, I was yeah i was at work i was in I wasn't watching anything or, or doing anything. So I was actually watching it at work. And I remember this, like the security guard came in. It was like, they broke in, get everyone off the house floor. And I was like, what the just happened? Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, did, you see, did you see they released the videos recently? Yes. I, some nah, uh, some new videos. Yes. Today, I believe uh, security videos that um, were being right, blocked. Yeah. Yeah, I posted about it. I was like, "LOL, look at this horrible interaction." <laughs> right. It was just it was just guys calmly walking around with American flags. Yeah. yeah walking in between the velvet ropes. Yeah, it was it was hysterical. This is the this is the worst than 9/11, uh, you know. 
thing. Oh man, whoever whoever on the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven said that this is no longer the worst day in American history. There's no whatever type of new world we begin there. They can't be part of it. <laughs> no. Just there's nothing. I, le- wait, if you if you truly think that there's nothing left for you, you know you know what I think is something we should keep our eye on. That's going to be interesting. The one year anniversary of January sixth. I can't oh, imagine the, above and the, 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 the ball, the pageantry that they're going to probably put on. You know, uh, probably a moment of silence. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they're going to have the whole for the inconvenience. The yeah, right. Oh, we'll well, maybe no, we'll get a day off. It, the I mean, the reason why is is because that is their cathedral. I mean, that is their that is their holy temple. Yeah. Hit them on the home uh, turf. Yeah. I mean, it's a religion. That's, that's where BLM should have been rioting and protesting if you really wanted all the reform and the change, don't burn down my local target. Go, go to the, go to the house, you know, go to the, um, fuck the Capitol building, the Capitol. Yeah. And, and start going crazy. Well, that, we're not, we're not, your problem we're not is. encouraging anybody or inciting no, I'm not encouraging to go do anyone, that. But we're, just, we're, we're speaking theoretically here. Yeah. I mean, it, what's the point of burning down your local corner store that of the guy who probably supports your cause. Now you turned him into an enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. That's what the, the first um, the first riot in Minneapolis after George Floyd. First place they went to was the police department, and that made sense. Now I'm yeah. not exactly saying you should go burn it down, which is what they tried to do. But if you're going to protest, protest where that was who killed yeah. you. That was who killed the guy. Go to the police department. Why are you protesting right. somewhere else? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Go to your government buildings. Protest outside of them. Don't be violent, obviously, because that's not going to work. For one. And, and they're, they're waiting. They're, they're waiting for us for to it, get right. violent again. They are. Right. That's what, I'm starting idea. to even think like the things were just more and more tidbits. I really think like things are becoming so blatantly stupid and out of control that they are like trying to edge us into like pushing us over the edge. You know what I mean? Like got me, uh, General Mealy uh, committing treason and a coup, basically Afghan pullout crisis at the border, all these different things. Just how much can really go wrong before yeah. one guy just says F this and goes off the deep end and then they have the justification for whatever yeah. they you want. Know, you know, you know what I think? Yeah. I think yeah. I said this recently. What could be something to say about that is all the videos of the hypocrisy of the AOC at the Met Gala, yeah. of the mayor of London at uh, a club dancing without a mask on. The more and more of those things that happen and people see the more and more it's pushing some random guy who's getting more and more angry every time. Eventually, you know what I mean? Who feels like that anger of rules for, for me, but not for thee. that's going to eventually probably push somebody over the edge and then they'll do something. And then that will be used as justification to take a more, you know, take away more liberties or more Patriot acts or, or yeah, that's going to be, I mean, because that's what, that's what the, the, during the January 6th thing, I was like, this is so dumb. This is, so dumb it will serve no purpose you're not doing any like uh i mean i was like thank god it was less violent than it could have been but it doesn't matter obviously we know now nine months later they've done nothing but painted as like the worst thing that could ever happen those people Um, are still in solitary confinement it's insane it's insane yeah Yeah, political Uh, prisoners you know not beneath america this this, this again shouldn't surprise you look at erwin schiff for not paying income tax 
the dude was chained to his bed. He's dying of cancer. They chained him to his hospital bed because he dared not, he dared defy the, the IRS. Yep. Um, oh, you don't want to do that. Yeah. That's the worst right. thing you could possibly do. You know what? Something right. I just saw today, uh, David Hale, I believe his name is, who was uh, kind of a whistleblower on drone strike uh, civilian mm-hmm. casualties. He's in yep. jail for an insane amount of time for whistleblowing. Yet the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Pentagon and whatnot just carried out that drone strike uh, a few weeks ago that killed, you know, it's confirmed 10 civilians and children. None of them are going to face any accountability for actually nope. murdering people. But the guy who whistleblows, on the fact that drone strikes murder innocent people. That guy's in jail for 40 years or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah it's That's terrible. insane. It is. And as people are getting angry and ang- about this, I mean, the, the, the best advice I could give is certainly do not get violent. That is what they want. Um, and it's not, gonna, it's not going to work. This yeah. is not 1775 where you have a whole, you know, militia that can stand up to an army and barely. They, I mean, that was a risk they took. This is not the same thing as they're coming for your guns. Um, that's what the British were doing. The best thing that we can do is just try to convince as many of our neighbors as possible to not comply with the insanity. Uh, if they want to do mask mandates, don't put on a mask. They want to do vaccine passports, just go to the restaurant. I mean, I, I can't tell you, this is already happening in general without too much organization. Because uh, I was in, uh, I was at the Penn State Auburn game on uh, on That's Saturday, right, yeah. um, and uh, the next morning before I had at home, state, so State College, Pennsylvania, where Penn State is, issued an indoor mask mandate. Um, the the sign on the sheets, which is a, if you don't know what sheets is, you're you're lost. I wish you the best, but you really need to go to a sheet. But it's a, it's a great gas station. Now the door on the thing said masks are mandatory. You walk in there and half the people don't have masks on. So clearly nobody's caring about the sign. Nobody's caring that this is now an ordinance from the town council. They're just not obeying it. And that's what we need. And we need a lot of people to do that. Um, I have noticed a sharp uptick in mask wearing in Connecticut, even though there isn't a mandate, which is such a shame. Well, I work in Connecticut and I got to say, I, you know, where I work, I, I, meet and run into a lot of like wealthier upper class people and out of nowhere all summer long every single one of our clients was flying all over the world all over the country at the beach at concerts at museums living life like it was normal the second things got a little bit scary people aren't going to weddings anymore they're you know double masking i see like I could I could almost see it as the media starts to pick it up. The people that come into my store just hook, line and sinker. You said you said things start to get a little scary. I mean, did they even really get scary as this no. as things were no. getting a little scary every day? What I would do is Google the Connecticut COVID death count. And it was always like seven day average one today. There were zero deaths today. You know, the next day there was one. But you, day after you that did your zero. research every these day. People. Meanwhile, these people look- got their marching orders. Yeah, yep. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, but fear. Not, there are enough of us, I think, in Connecticut. We're the majority. Yeah, if we are the majority, then we need to start acting like it because mm-hmm. just don't comply. Yeah. Uh, this this worked in New Hampshire. Levin, I just saw this this tweet um, earlier. I think it was Levin in New Hampshire. I don't know the second city, but Levin in New Hampshire issued a mask mandate. Nobody complied with it. 
the neighboring town council gathered together and discussed issuing a mask mandate themselves a couple of weeks after Lebanon put their mask mandate in. They decided not to because of mask non-compliance in the other town. So it works even to just stop governments from trying it, depending on the government. Um, that's the best thing. If you're getting angry about this, find other people who agree with you. Just decide not to comply. I mean, in certain cases, you're going to have to. Like, I go to work, and I work in a medical setting. I have to wear a mask. Just the way it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, when you're going to stop and shop, just yeah. Yeah. do what you can. Yep. Don't do the, the, don't do the vax pass thing. Just try to go in and get a restaurant. If they ask for your papers, say, you know, sorry, this isn't Nazi land. You know, I, I'm not giving you my papers. I wouldn't support them anyway. I'd, I'd turn right. away anyway. Perfect. Right. I know not to come here anymore. Bar in New, ha- New, uh, New Haven. Bar in New Haven. Never. Don't go to them. They've voluntarily issued a vaccine uh, mandate for their, to yep. enter their, their you bar. You deserve to go out of business. Yeah. Because you yeah, know what? Last year, because last year when they weren't allowed to be opened, it was probably people like you who were going there to you to use them because you liked them for takeout food. And now they have to rely on the people that would have let them drown. All the people who argued all last year that they shouldn't be open, that you should be closed. You're not essential. Yeah. Yep. So the Libertarian Party of Connecticut just issued a resolution um, a little bit slower to get it done. Than, than some of the other oh. states where like the state chairs just write it up and, and do it themselves. We had to convene as a, as a committee. Um, but yeah, part of the resolution was that we just, we asked every single one who is willing, do not comply. Uh, just civil disobedience, Henry David Thoreau, just don't do it. And, yeah. you know, make them, if 5% of us decide not to comply, uh, you know, what's the government going to do? Right now, it does depend on what the other ninety-five percent are, are doing. If ninety-five percent are just apathetic, fine. But if they're all dead set against you, they're going to turn on you. It's not going to work out. But yeah, if you have five to ten percent of the population decide not to comply, they're not going to be able to enforce it. Yeah, I think you'll have a cascading effect too. If five percent does it, yeah. that'll motivate the next ten. Then you know, then you'll have fifteen. That'll motivate the next twenty. And people, you know, some people don't like to join the fray until they see. Uh, you know, that they're, they're looking for the winning side. Yeah. You know, throughout all there you the, go. back full circle. Yes. Americans love a winner. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a good place to uh, end it. Um, why don't you tell everybody, like, how can they find the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus? And if they're interested in joining, which I'm a member of yeah. now uh, yeah. after the uh, after some of the things that Cuomo and uh, de Blasio said, I had had enough. And that was uh, that motivated me to join and try and get on board with someone trying to do something about it. Cause the GOP ain't doing shit. So how, how yeah. can people, so, uh, yeah, find you guys. Uh, the best place to go is takehumanaction.com. So if you know who Ludwig von Mises, uh, was a great Austrian economist and his, uh, great, um, Opus Magnus was human action. Um, and it was, that's his, that's the, one of the best economic treatises impossible to read because it was, uh, written in English, but the guy's a German. So, um, you know, he was very old English style. Don't try to read it, but takehumanaction.com is where you'll find the Mises Caucus. You'll see our platform um, and uh, you'll see uh, a sign up sheet. Just let us know that you're from Connecticut. If you are, obviously, if you're, if you're not, whatever state, 
someone from your state will get in contact with you. That's how I got in contact with Skaggs because um, he signed up there and I saw his name on the list. Um, and uh, someone will get in contact with you. Best thing to do is just get involved locally with your Mises caucus, probably with your local party. If you're in a different state, you might have a lot of county parties. Uh, if you don't, you can get one started. Um, and really, we're just trying to get out there. I mean, it, it, the, the Libertarian Party of Connecticut, because the Mises caucus is so influential, we have the Unmask Our Kids billboards. I've seen those everywhere. Or in people's yards, called, yeah. too, I've seen them. And that, that's been our biggest movement. Like, we ha- ha- had an enormous number of, like, middle-aged moms, uh, younger moms, just joining us with that and just thanking us for standing up for the kids. Um, and stuff like that. Now, they're not going to agree with us on everything. They might even not even sure. become libertarians, but they know about us now. And if they look at her, uh, when they're going to the polls and they see a GOP guy, that they're like, meh, I don't like that guy, or a Democrat. And they're like, eh, not that great. I, hey, that libertarian party, they, they stood up for us when it mattered. So we did unmask our kids. We did rallies uh, during the COVID lockdowns. We, did, we started on April 20th, 2020. We started a rolling rally, oh. driving around honking horns. We did that for a while. That was a Mises caucus guy that... Oh, spearheaded all of that um we're, this sunday we're having a big um, music fest we actually have joe jorgensen and larry sharp yes. coming um that's on uh, on sunday so like hey parties are doing some stuff and um get involved as much as you can there because that's the big thing we need volunteers we need bodies we need funds if you if you're a bitcoin millionaire hey we could use some of your help <laughs> you know some of this help to fund some of this stuff you know because um, hey crypto is it's a big libertarian world this is, yep. this is what we we live for um so a lot of people who got in on the ground floor are libertarian uh, i'm not saying you need to give us a lot but hey every little bit counts we're, we're running um i don't know if you've seen it yet um Skags, but we're running uh it's up on youtube now uh tv ads for unmask our kids yes it's, i saw it moving. yeah it's pretty moving those kids uh they were awesome yeah, it's yeah, actually kids, um, right, speaking about their experience in school with the yeah. masks. Yeah, yeah. so there's a 30-second there's a uh, clip and a, and a, and a one-minute-long clip. So, you know, we're doing stuff. If you want to get involved, if you have some ideas on what to do, but you don't have the, the structure and apparatus to do it because, you know, you're kind of a lone wolf out there, hey, joining the Mises Caucus is the way to go. Um, make sure you read the platform. You know, if you don't agree with any of it, it's probably not your thing, but you, you probably will. And um, take humanaction.com. Someone will be in touch. We'll get you onboarded and, and ready to go. Awesome. Awesome. Steven, thank you. Yeah, man. And uh, I, I just think, you know, an answer because people keep asking us, like, what, what can I do? Something. Do anything. Do something. Right. If every single person is pissed off, does one little tiny thing or I'm not asking you to go storm the Capitol, you know, join a party, have a conversation, anything. We got possibly... pissed off and started a podcast. Right. There you go. Start a podcast. Yeah. Fine. You know, a lot the, of the people more... are doing that, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. And uh, I tell you what with the interconnection of, of the world with, with social media and, and different groups and things, it's almost impossible. It's, it's almost unjustified. I should say to say that, um, well, I'm alone in this. I can't just do it alone. You're not alone. Somebody right. else agrees with you. They might not be in your neighborhood and then it might not be any of your friends right now, but somebody agrees with you, find them and let's get moving together because, you're not going to do it alone. You're right. But hey, you get 10 people, those 10 people get 10 people. And now you got 100. You, you've got a you've got a rally going and uh, it's time to start doing stuff. Definitely. Yeah. All right, man, Stephen. Thank you again. All right. Yeah, have a good night.
Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Doom Nation, that's been another two Doom Men podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. You guys should know where to find us by now. Check our Instagram out at at two Doom Men underscore podcast. Link in our bio directs us to our link tree. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Doom Nation, thank you. Later. Later.